after landscape photography i feel inspired you know like i feel absolutely i feel thrilled i feel like recharged being out there in nature is what i'd want to do anyway Hey Weekenders, welcome back to the Wikihand Photography Podcast, where we share our passion as a photographer and how photography gives us hope, purpose, and happiness. Now, welcome back. And today we have Felix from Germany, who's currently in Canada, and he's a landscape photographer who works with brands all over the world. So, hey, Felix, how you doing? Very good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Uh, glad to see you again. It's been a while. Totally, yeah. <laughs> so, what you been up to? Um, what you been up to lately? Oh man, I've been living in a beautiful town of Rovelstok, um, enjoying the small mountain community town, and uh, getting a lot into ski touring recently. Yeah, that's basically most of my life right now. Man, every time I see your photo, you really make me jealous. It's uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's so beautiful and. Um, I, yeah, I wish I have more time to do a little bit more of that this year, but um, yeah, I got a little bit, my priority shifted a little bit this year. So um, you are from Germany and you came here, um, I guess, give us a little bit of story, a little bit of background story about um, um, who you are um, and why you choose photography. Totally, totally. So um, originally, I was born and raised in Germany. I lived there for 18 years. Um, but I quickly realized that Germany is not the place for me. Like, I quickly realized the uh, German culture, the Western culture, is not 100% where I feel at home. I felt a lot of pre pressure growing up, and I felt like I was pushed into, like, a little drawer. And, um, yeah, I had to kind of follow up everyone else's pathway in life, I guess, like to start really deep here, <laughs> which is like, yeah, studying and then get a job, get an apartment, get the car and blah, blah, blah. You kind of know what I mean, I guess. And this totally did not suit my personality. So that's why um, as soon as I could, when I was 18, I booked a flight and um, one way flight back then it was to New Zealand. And I, um, yeah, I was living there for a while and just tried to rediscover who I am, who I was. And um, yes, it's now been three and a half years since I since I left Germany and I ended up in Canada to um, your question why photography that's a very big question um, I guess it all started actually when I was really young I was I think I was 13 years old and we had to do this like really random biology um, observation project where we just had to photograph trees and the change of seasons in it and yeah back then I picked up my good old 450d of my like my dad's camera good old Canon old uh, DSLR and uh, yeah it ended up it started off with me photographing trees for the biology project but it ended up with me being in the forest for entire days just shooting deer mushrooms and stuff like that <laughs> and man, then from then on it just developed you know um, I got to know how a camera works I went out of the auto mode and um, yeah I got my own camera when I was 15 then and um, good old T3i who didn't have that in the bit back then. <laughs> yeah, and then just grew from there, man. Yeah, and um, I shot lots of weddings when I grew up, grew up, um, when I grew up and um, they kind of tried to find my style more and more and um, specialize in specific niches. And um, then at some point when I left Germany, I combined it with my traveling. So wherever I traveled, I tried to reestablish the business. And worked with tourism brands and yeah as you said already um in the landscape photography niche cool 
Awesome. Uh, you just mentioned that you shot um, weddings as well. Um, that's uh, that's a bit um, usually. I mean, you know, um, for most of landscape photographers and as well as myself, um, usually we don't shoot weddings because and we should we choose like landscape. It's like the two very extreme side of it, right? One of them is like with so many people and pressure, and one of them is like do what you want and there's no one there it's like really <laughs> chill so like how does that feel like you know merging between the two like going from one to another that is a very good question actually because there is tension between landscape and commercial photographers and wedding photographers for sure and I had a lot about a lot of discussions about that um but I think it's actually not it's actually really really interesting to combine those two together let's say to um get the scenic landscape photography where you um, look at the weather you look at the sun you look at landscapes and just combine it with weddings for example getting instead of having having different nature foregrounds having the couple as a foreground in the scenery and i think that's absolutely amazing um especially if you have people that are totally in for that and happy to wake up at 4 a.m just to hike a freaking mountain in their wedding dress you know and i think that is really cool and i love combining those things but yeah, you are right. Like landscape photography is a very, well, you're there in nature, you're soaking it all in. There's silence usually. <laughs> um, and wedding photography is stressful. Wedding photography, especially on the wedding day, has to do with lots of responsibility, lots of people. You have to communicate with everyone. And um, yeah, but I have a passion for both and I like to combine it. And I think that's a really cool niche as well. Yeah, that's that's really cool to hear. I mean, I, I never I always say I don't want to do it, um, but I guess I should give it a try because I, I never know I might actually like it. But let's let's not go into that uh, <laughs> with landscape because, uh, yeah, anyway. So um, I guess like with, with the thing that with wedding photography, the thing that really stressed me out is always the, the pressure and um, it's OK. I feel like if you find like someone who actually enjoy um, who actually let you be the creative side and actually along with your creativity. But some people are very, um, you know, they're really close-minded so that they want a certain type of shot. So if you miss that certain type of shot, they become unhappy. And that's, that's what, I guess that's what I really scared about. Have you come across that sort of um, people? Um, I'd say generally speaking, um, the couples I shoot are very young. And they, 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 they hire me because they like or they identify with the style, with, that, with my shooting style. So for, right, right off the bat, there is a lot of trust usually where they're saying, okay, you know what? We know your work. We trust you in there. You know better than we do. And that's ideal. That's what we want to hear as photographers, right? Let people yeah. are having trust and we can totally un, unfold our creativity. But yeah, and sometimes there, there are people that are saying, okay, hey, you know what? I had one person that sent me like an entire Pinterest list of photos where they're like, okay, I want this, I want this, and I want this. And it's totally fine. I mean, it's a once in a lifetime day, hopefully, if everything goes right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and um, that's totally fair. And I, I like to respect that and take, yeah, and make these, um, put these expectations into reality as well. And that's totally fine. And then there are just a couple of situations where you, um, yeah, where you just really, focus on that one shot but then I try to always guide people into a non-stage unperfect um, atmosphere where they can really be themselves and I think that's what is really special about wedding photography because you are a stranger for them I as someone who travels all around the world who's not even speaking their 
language as my first language, you know, and uh, I have just a very, very minimal of time to gain their confidence and to make them really com comfortable that I can capture raw and emotion, raw emotions and unstaged photos. And I think building that bridge between, okay, I have no idea who you are and you have no idea who, no idea who I am. And hey, you totally trust me in everything I do and you can totally be yourself in a very, very short amount of time. I think that is a really, really cool aspect in wedding photography that is not happening in any other type of photography. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, it's definitely really difficult. One of the di most difficult thing is to gain, um, you know, like, um, I mean, you kind of see that on a little bit on portrait as well as like fashion, but you don't have that much of, you know, different like jump because you know with the wedding you go from nothing to like everything right so i actually like it came across these clients when i was doing portrait where um and it was like a nightmare because um she's like oh yeah yeah it's good it's good you you, you do whatever you want and i took a bunch of photos i sent it to her and it's like this is not professional quality like it's this is not <laughs> worth my money and i was just like okay <laughs> and yeah it's just like i don't know I feel like i mean i felt like she was just wanting her money back um but you know um you just have to move on sometimes and cut your losses uh, um but um i guess what i know that you identify yourself as a landscape and um you know commercial photographer and um reason why i want to ask you a lot of this wedding question is i want to bring a contrast and then i want to see how you feel about this in comparison to landscape so now now that we've talked about that let's talk about the landscape and how are they contrast with each other like what what are the different feelings that you get or the different shift of feelings that you get from um from wedding that is you know depending on people opinion and very um a lot of pressure to landscape where it's like man like go for your life do what you want you know the nature will never pay <laughs> anything back totally i think i think the biggest difference between it and i think that's a question is that wedding photography drains me and nature photography if you consider the shooting part on set in nature and the type of photography i do then this really fills me up if that makes sense recharges me because I'm, I'm an introvert, um, I'm, when I'm around people, um, yeah, I'm definitely getting drained. And when I'm on my own or in nature, I'm recharging. So I feel like, yeah, on a wedding day, after wedding day, I'm actually poop. I'm like, I'm just going to straight to bed. I'm backing up the footage. I'm, I'm done for the day. But after landscape photography, I feel inspired, you know, like I feel absolutely, I feel thrilled. I feel like recharged. Being out there in nature is what I'd want to do anyways with my free time, you know, ski touring, best example for that. You're just out there. It's only you. Uh, your your buddy and then like just just nature everywhere you know and you're in the middle of nowhere so ideally there are no people around so it's yeah as you said it's the biggest contrast that you can get <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah that's that's actually true I've never actually think of it that way but it's it's very true um you know when I was working in Lake Louise as a portrait photographer it was very true it was very draining like it's it's kind of nice to to be able to like you know like talk to people and um socialize a little bit in your photo shoot but um after a while you just really get drained you're right like I, i'm not exactly totally. sure why either um but yeah wow very interesting and so you mentioned that you work with um brands as well and do a lot of commercial and how is that fit in with everything else 
Yeah, so it's basically part of because of my lifestyle, right? Like um, wherever I go right now, um, I see myself as an outdoorsy person. So wherever I travel, it's usually it's usually mountains. It's usually an outdoor outdoorsy area, and um, there's always tourism wherever I go. And um, I saw myself um, finding potential in the tourism area because that's just where I was, anyways. So um, that's that's right off the bat. How does that fit in everything else? Well, how did it work? I I approached a lot of brands. I have um, different pitch boards where I can be like, okay, hey, look, I've been doing that for a couple of years straight now. I have the references. This is this is what I do. This is my style. And then I basically prove, yeah, I um, approached brands basically on the spot. And, and um, sometimes in advance, but usually it's really spontaneous as well. Um, yeah, and um, that's been working pretty well, actually. And you know, it's it's with everything. You you gain experience in the beginning of it all. If I saw the emails I sent out in the beginning of like four years ago or something, I would probably give myself a headshot if I saw that again, you know? But the more you do it, the more you get a feel for the industry, the more you chat with people that are really like, that are my, like-minded or in, in the sim similar niche, the more you narrow down your portfolio to certain niches or the more you just um, know how to how exactly uh, you can approach brands or tourism boards accurately and it's just a development process with everything you know yeah so to answer a question really quickly I think it's just how it, it just fit my lifestyle and it just fit what I feel like I'm talented in and that's why I saw potential in then that's why I kept following it cool yeah like commercial is very interesting because it's kind of, I guess, depending on the type of um, uh, people that you work with or the company that you work with, commercial can really align with either the, the crazy side of things of wedding and also could align with the landscape side of things of, um, sorry, the, the chill side of things of landscape, isn't it? Totally, yeah. It's it's very versatile. That's what I love about it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you get a lot of like different changes. It's very dynamic, not boring. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah, totally, totally. Like, um, you know, and I, and I love the entire process of it. Like, I obviously like love going out with 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 people that are um, on the team and just shoot the actual content. But I also like to go back and see, okay, this is the situation right now. For example, now we have the pandemic, and everyone is kind of itching to get out. There's a new consciousness for like the outdoors everywhere, and I feel like that is so, has so much potential for a story. And, you know, going from, okay, what's the situation right now? We're in a pandemic. We want to promote this outdoor brand. How can we put things together and, um, yeah, create a great campaign or product um, that reflects that? And I think that process in advance is also really, really cool. Um, yeah, so it is versatile. Yeah, it is not really just heading out there <clears throat> like 10, 10 years ago, like <laughs> putting your tripod down, putting your gradient filter down and just shooting one photo and that's it. And then you try to promote it. No, it's it's more, it's the entire process that I really like. Awesome. So you, <clears throat> you came to Canada about a year ago, give or take? Yeah, 15 months, yeah. 15 months, yeah. So you said um, you share with us a little bit of story of how you um, you started in, in um back at home when you were doing your project and then you um as soon as you kind of finished with that you took off to new zealand and now you're here in canada um so t tell us a little bit story about that about your adventure and um how photography kind of have fit in and 
um, you know, help you document a lot of those uh, adventures um, within your um, travel? Very good question. Um, photography was was there before I traveled, so it was always with me when I traveled, and um, yeah, I picked up on the reason why I left Germany because of yeah, let's call it social pressure. Let's call it because um, let's call it that I just didn't know what's out there. I just knew what I was used to, and I saw on Instagram, on the page, on YouTube and stuff, all these people being outdoors, and I was never really in the mountains. So I was like, I think I'm missing out. So that was one reason why I was like, all right, I need to get out of here. <laughs> and um, yeah, then I went to New Zealand and, um, you know, I, I, I had a couple of like the dreams on my bucket list. I wanted to live in a car. I wanted to climb five peaks in the South Island. I wanted to um, go back then. It was like things like bungee jumping. You know, I had a lot of things in my, on my bucket list, but I was like, OK, I was never able to do it. I really want to do it. And um, then I planned backpacking trips around it. I was li living in a surf town, learned how to surf and things like that. And the role that photography played in that was definitely um, just that I was able, and that was actually a major reason why I was able to grow in my ability as well, just because I took the camera along wherever I was and tried to document how I felt and how, what, yeah, on, on, on like document the adventure itself, right? And the people that, are, that were involved. So um, what that meant was, for example, I, um, I had, yeah, like, let me, let me tell you very quickly about like something really re real, you know, like I, um, yeah, I was back then, I was only a backpacker, you know, I was only having a couple of bucks, I had spent that all on a car. And then at some point, the car broke down. Um, I didn't have any money anymore. I wanted to have a job. I really tried to get it. And in the beginning, I was obviously trying to work with tourism, tourism brands that was in the very, very beginning in New Zealand now. And at the beginning, it didn't, it didn't work. I was just not experienced enough. I didn't have the portfolio yet. And I was just really lost. So I didn't work. I tried to work in a, uh, for retail shops after that and like stores and stuff. You know, I kind of went down all the time because things didn't work out. And it ended up uh, me going through malls and through anything and just actually at some point just getting a job. It didn't really matter anymore because I was just broke. And um, yeah, and then at some point, you know, I even got sick. Um, my hard drive broke. That was like, I still have had a backup, but that was back in Germany. So I got really nervous here. It's like the nightmare of every photographer. It's like, yeah, your main hard drive is not working anymore. So I was crushed, you know, and I was like, oh, what should I do? And then, you know, at some point I, I, I got a job um, as a farmer, like what I was never, I can't believe I'm telling you this right now, but like, you know, it's like something I never considered. I never really enjoyed. And then after it was a horrible time, I worked 16 hour days and I got treated like, yeah, not like a nice person. It was not a really friendly environment. After that, I worked as a dishwasher, you know, like it was jobs that were totally not relating to what I'm doing right now. But it was just the situation, that travel situation that put me into these circumstances that yeah, I did things like that. But I'm telling you, you know, after that, things shifted. And what did I do during these times? I took my camera along. I documented you know, I was a farmer. I had my GoPro on my head and and filmed like how, how I chased chased the cows into the cow shed, things that how that how I brushed the crap out of the shed. You know, like things like that. And then afterwards, like right now, I'm in a position. Okay, it's been a long time, but I have all this footage. And back then, I was already um, taking these stories that were already like always like they were not not these dream stories of like oh yeah I travel and have the best time, but there were also stories that were, where I was really like sad and like really like 
drained, you know? And I took these stories and published them. In the beginning, it was only my channels, you know, and social media and stuff. And it really like changed people. And then I used my camera gadget to um, visualize what I was feeling and to really draw people in my circumstances. And I think that's where really like my, my passion for storytelling began, you know, was really just telling my story and just um, making sure that there's more reality on Instagram as well. Like that's a really big topic for me that, you know, like we just share a 1% that's not really real or real life and people just assume it is. And uh, I'm having a huge problem with that. So I really want to be more, way more transparent than that. I want to be more real because that's not what life is and I think the camera just helps me to tell to 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 build that bridge you know to to really tell that story of it and just make sure yeah there's more reality online and um yeah from then on in New Zealand I learned so much I tell I told the stories and it just continued after after that when I went through Asia I was in Nepal tracking and that's why that was the second time I was working with tourism brands you know and um back then it was a clothing company in New Zealand and uh, they sent us up there in the Himalayas. That was really cool. And um, from then on, we went to Java in Indonesia and uh, had a great time there, worked with the tourism board there. And, you know, I think the time in New Zealand that wasn't amazing and stuff was really leading up to that. I learned so many things. I learned to appreciate these things and like really how to really work hard so that the things I experienced in New Zealand were not happening anymore. And um, the camera along the way was always a tool for me to bring to bring out, to process it for myself, but also to, to to include other people and tell my story along the way. And yeah, that went over to, then afterwards I went to Norway, same thing, worked um, with um, Tourism Norway out there. And then, um, yeah, back in, I was in Portugal, same thing, and now I'm in Canada. And uh, Canada has been a little different, but um, that's been, that's been the last three years in a very, very, very short amount of time. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, I am, that's it's it's so crazy because um, we have really sort of a similar story um in terms of like timing. Like I started all this journey about three years ago as well. So, um, and I mean I started traveling way before that. I started um photography probably um not long before that, probably about a year before that, where I took it really seriously. But <clears throat> Yeah, I started to travel full time and left my nine to five about um, three years ago. So it was so crazy to hear all this story. And it's it's exactly the same thing. Like I had the same feeling when I um, right after I left that lifestyle, I feel like I finally live again. Like I finally like living like, you know, the life that I want. And honestly, like when I think back, the, 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 the past three years is more memorable than the past what? 30 years of my life so it's been crazy to kind of see that uh, it's insane um and, and that's one totally. of the things that i love traveling isn't it like you, you just get to see i mean if you didn't travel you probably wouldn't be able to you know um develop your skill that quickly because you wouldn't be able to see and face all that different challenges and adversity isn't it yeah, man, I think if I didn't travel, I would be a banker or a broker right now in, in Germany. That would be, it would have been the worst thing that could have happened. So I'm pretty happy that I traveled. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you know, and, and, and you know, <clears throat> encounters like, like the one we had together, you know, that just re-encourage you because you know that people are in the same boat, you know, 
and that are that that you're not alone with what you what you, how you feel and maybe i can just throw in a little story of a person i met on a on, on a great walk in new zealand i it was thomas he was uh, 40 years old and he's been working for 20 years in a job back in in eastern europe and i met him on the trail and um he told me his story and it was really inspiring because it had had a big impact on my life because he said yeah he worked 20 years for a development company um, you know, he had what people in our culture just promise us, uh, which is reputation, money, fame, let's even put girls in there or whatever, you know, like the car. And um, he at some point, he just broke down. He almost had a cardiac accident. He just um, crashed down and he was like, hey, I need to change something like that's not what I want to do, you know. And um, he had this revealing moment where he just had to sell everything, go to New Zealand and he was a cherry picker <laughs> and it was the happiest person he has ever been, you know? And it's like, I can totally relate, you know, it's not about the things you have or the job you do. It's like following your passion and heart in that case, you know? And that's just what you felt when I assume when you started three years ago and you just went out and you felt so alive, you know? And I think that's just so inspiring. But I said, I don't want to be 35 or 40 to, to realize that. So like, I wanted to just start a little earlier. Yeah, and, uh, man. yeah. Encounters like that, man, just really inspired me. Yeah, you're you're really lucky to to have kind of realized this very early on. Um, I definitely, you know, if if I were to go back, the one thing that I would change is that, like, you know, I mean, I I didn't really regret anything that I've gone through because, um, you know, I'm in a position now where I, I, I'm a little bit more secure than, you know, people like you, because I have, you know, the, the university and stuff like that, which actually I think is a bad thing because it, it kind of <laughs> discouraged me sometimes. I just always go, ah, you know, what? if things go wrong, I always have this. It's really bad thing. And um, I only, it's only just last year where I actually give up that option. I was like, I would never go back to that lifestyle period, um, you know, and before I used to always say that, but um, never really kind of mean it always at the back of my mind. It's like that, oh, that yeah. is really interesting. Can I can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah, because no, I had a lot of I had a lot of I had a lot of conversations about that with lots of filmmakers, you know, because let's be honest, especially during COVID times, like things are uncertain and we as creatives sometimes. Well, yeah, we things are not. Let's be honest, like 2020 as a creative opportunity job opportunity year wasn't like incredible for us i had the best year but like not out of this perspective <laughs> so um having a backup like you did um is something that um would really reassure me a little bit just give gives me a good feeling in my stomach i think like that's what i would expect from it you know because oh if everything fails if i can't reestablish my business here things just go down i still have this as a backup do you feel that gives you any insurance so I do and I don't. Um, I uh, about a couple of months ago, actually, my old boss contacted me because he thought I was back in Perth and offered me a, a job and a promotion from where I was. Um, but I I I thought about it and I turned it down straight away. Um, and here is here is the 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 good and the bad thing. The good thing is that people say always say that you always have a backup. And for my case, it's a really, really comfortable backup, right? An engineer, like I could literally work anywhere as an engineer, um, really comfortable backup. And I've also worked like in business improvement and um, business side of things. Um, I've been supervisor as well. So I have a wide um, array of skill that um, I could fall back to. Now, the, the bad thing about this is that sometimes when you don't, 
um, sometimes when you have something to fall back to, you don't go all in. And for that reason, um, you know, you, you get lazy, you get com complacent. Um, and a good example is, um, I guess when, um, like, so the reason why I left my job is that when I started photography, I feel like I enjoying it. And um, I mean, before even that, probably three years into that, I know that I want to build a, a um, laptop, uh, laptop style li lifestyle, but it never happened because it's too much comfort. Like I don't have to push to go there, you know, like it's like, oh yeah, I, I could wait to, till tomorrow. You know, I don't need this right now. It's like, totally. I'm too tired. There's always something. And I, the reason why I decided to leave my job was that um, I know that I don't want that lifestyle. I, I, I've known for a while, but there's just so much doubt in myself. Um, I know that um, there is something better out there. Um, and I know that if I stay with my nine to five, I've never, I'll never gonna get there. It's always gonna, there's always gonna be an excuse. So actually cutting, cutting your, um, um, your safety net is the best thing to get there and it is really scary but the one thing that I always come back to is going back to what you're saying with the working in the farm when I was um, after my trip in Indonesia and um, Australia when I first came here I, I worked back in a restaurant where I get $12.50 per hour yeah. <laughs> you know, going, going back from from engineering job is like you know really good hourly rate to like $12.50 an hour. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I go to a restaurant, and I'm like, is, is this even worth it? Like, <laughs> by the end of the day, I got like 60 bucks. I was like, huh. <laughs> but yeah, like it's 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 more, I think it's it's that that lesson just taught me that you can there, you always have a safety net. Like, you know, like in this, uh, especially for our our world, like, you know, like uh, for um, Australian, Canadian and all that. Um, really developed country like worst case scenario I just go back working at the restaurant it's like it's like I could literally live off that if I just work my ass off it and build um, you know on the side so yeah it's it's a bad it's a good and a bad thing actually um, yeah quite interestingly so and also when you yeah. unlike yourself you have more hunger you have um, you have more energy and you have um, you have less less desire for comfort <laughs> Because you haven't experienced it as much as as I do, so yeah. totally, totally, yeah, it's true, it's true. We get we get spoiled, you know, especially <laughs> in these Western countries. The, the worst, the worst thing that can happen, you know, is, is something even acceptable still. So yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> it's it's really interesting though. Like um, I I really thought, I mean, I was born in um in Indonesia, and I was I raised up in um in in that culture where. I mean, my parents was actually really cool. They they have been supported me. Um, you know, even when I was um, most Asian um, parents would say it's like, oh, you either have to do the, the, the three things, which is doctor, engineer, and yeah. an accountant type of thing. Which Dentist, I, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> and my parents actually had been really supportive. Just like do what you want to do. I I had at one point I wanted to do like social studies and become a politician, which I realized I how much I hate it. I'm so glad I didn't take that. One but you didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so surprised that, you know, uh, for a Western culture like Germany, it's like that as well. 
To- totally. Um, totally. There, there is, there is a lot of pressure going on. Like, I, I mean, that's just my opinion. I'm, I'm pretty sure that this, this is controversial and I'm definitely someone who doesn't really fit into the pattern. That's why I am very, I feel provoked, provoked for like to that, but um, I, I, I agree. Yeah. There's a lot of um, pressure, pressure for um, achieving things for building up a reputation and there's a lot of competition thinking, you know, I think in Canada, especially where we live right now, it's more like, okay, let's work together. Let's, you know, like, um, make your passion big and it's okay, even if it sounds weird and it's the same in New Zealand. But, um, I feel like in Germany, it's like, okay, if it's not, if it's not, um, sort of an official way of doing things, if it's not something that people did in the past and it, it's proven that it works, you are, you're a weirdo, you're a little bit different. And yeah, no, I, I really feel this way. And, um, I agree. I um, think that's not where I fit in. And I'm pretty glad your parents um, are not like that. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty awesome. Like, I think it's pretty awesome that they support you the way you want to build your future, you know? Well, they had a lot of doubts and they were really worried. But Because yeah. that's definitely... Yeah, yeah, I agree. Same of mine. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, we are spoiled. Like, I don't know whereabouts from Indonesia you're from. It sounds like you're not from a very poor background. But... um. I've been in Java, for example, as I mentioned earlier, and um, it's it's been that's that was the poorest country after Nepal I've ever been to, and um, you know people there. I met people that that was actually the project I was most proud of of my life. I documented a group of um, a, a sulfur mining worker working in a volcano in Java, dismantling Mount sulfur in Mount Ijen, exactly. And yeah. um, I think that was the, one of the most inspiring things I've ever that changed my life the most because yeah just really quickly they carry up to 110 kilos on their shoulders on a bamboo basket uh, before they after they dismantle it with them um, next to like a 120 degrees sal- um, sour um, crater like inside a crater and then they just balance it out and just get it down the valley and you know 700 meters on bare feet and you know they have no insurance no nothing and they have no choice you know they were, I talked to the guys and they, they, they have no choice because they've been doing that for generations and they're not having the money to leave the country. The policy is corrupt. And yeah, it's really sad, but that's just reality there, you know? And um, yeah, telling that story and realizing how, and I come back to that, what we said earlier, you know, how spoiled we are in our Western cultures now. And, um, you know, even the worst case, let's say the worst case would be working for a restaurant or something like that would be like an absolute luxury case for them something something they could never even dream of so and things like that when you realize them they they humble you down and they bring you back back to the ground you know and i think um i would actually encourage everyone to have experiences like that where you just really reset your mind and just see okay hey the Acterix jacket I want to buy tomorrow is not like it's absolutely a luxury item you know it's something people don't even think of uh down there and yeah they you know an hour an hour worth of was of salary like an hour a daily daily wage for us is like a monthly wage for them so it brings you back to the ground for sure and uh yeah lets you appreciate where we are <laughs> well that's that's the, the interesting thing it's like when i grew up i mean like we i wouldn't say we were poor but we we're like okay and my parents are working really hard to um stay afloat right and so when I got my engineering job, it was like like a dream come true. I finally have the money to you know spend or get what I wanted, and and that's why it was really hard to leave that behind because I was like, well, 
do I really want to go back to like you know being broke again? <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's it's been interesting uh, journey so far. Um, so one of one thing that I really like um, hearing from your story or your um, yeah the way you put photography, you always say um, feeling like you know how like the emotion behind it, and I feel like. Not many people in photography world talking about that. They're more um, fixated about how good they look instead of the emotion that that photo um, really evokes. Um, so I really love how how you bring that up. Um, tell us a little bit more about your um, your take on how photography and emotion kind of interconnected and how it helps you to capture the photo that you are capturing um, right now. Um, yeah, sure. I think nowadays it's really, it's really easy to take a photo without putting any thought and emotion into it. I think, you know, you like, you live in Lake Louise, you see that every day. Um, people are just going to the lake at like a certain amount of time and just like take that one photo. I think that's the most emo like emotionless thing you can, you can do and call while you call yourself a creative, you know? Um, and I think photos, especially now when we have an overflow of photos in, in, on Instagram where you can edit it, like it was, you know, it wasn't possible for like 10 years or five years ago that um, I think it's way more important that we have emotion in our photos or that we display or focus on that because I think that's at, at some point making a lot of difference. And yeah, I think how do you, how you, do you get emotion in your photo? It's just if your photo tells a story, if your photo reflects something you are dealing with or the viewer deals with. And I think that is um, something you can deliver with, um, yeah, you can do it in the photo itself through composition, through like telling a story with different characters and different emotions or like different facial expressions in people. You can also do it in a caption way, just tell the, the actual story as in a text. That's what I do a lot. And um, yeah, and the best thing you can do is um, combining those two things, you know? So. Um, yeah, maybe an example of how I feel like I did accomplish that. And uh, let's go back. Let's go back to the to the example in in Java and stick to that for a second. Like, you know, I could have said like it was it's a touristy area by now. Like, it's um, people go there all the time to check it out, and you see a blue flame phenomenon, and then um, yeah, just to go into the crater. But um, I really hated it. I really hated the tour. Like we didn't book a tour or anything. So we just rocked up on the place and we said, okay, who's local here? Our taxi driver was translating for us. <laughs> and I was like, okay, hey, please, um, could you ask one of these guys here in this living in this village if he's working here in this in this in this volcano? And maybe he can uh, maybe he can give us, he can just bring us up there. That's all we said. We didn't say, okay, we want to have a tour. That's what should be what should be included. We didn't get there with a tour bus or anything and um, we really wanted to have the raw and the real experience of the place and the people that live and act in it and um, yeah and it actually happened so our taxi driver was able to communicate um, with um, one of the the guys that um, works there his name was Vito and um, yeah he, he took us up there and I think that was the first the first step in bringing and and, and just really considering emotion in a photo because we weren't there on our like on our own um, or like with like a big company or anything. We were really there because we wanted to experience the place, how the locals do it and how it actually really is because tourism very, very often just blurs places and perspective. 
And um, I think that was the first step. So he took us up. He, he told us things that no, one, no tour guide would ever tell us. You know, he told us how people died in the volcano. He told us how about all his injuries he had um, while working there. He told us about the competition without, within the workers and the pressure within the inter, inter um, yeah, the, the pressure within the people that work there is. And he was actually also able to, you know, we, we rocked in, up in the place and all the tourists were gone at some point we, because we totally took, took a different time um, to go to go there from the beginning of from the beginning. So um, we were really seeing the people that are acting in it and like how they actually are because of when they're tourists around, they're different, you know, they're like, you know, they try to sell them things and take photos with them. But when they're all gone, they try to focus on the work because that's what I, how they get their money as well. Right. And um, yeah, I think having that approach gave us the opportunity to see that place and the people in an authentic way. And having this local showing us around there was um, a perfect door opener because he, could, he obviously knew every person and he was able to, um, you know, I had questions, for example, um, about the place and about the person I was, I was photographing because I wanted to tell the story in an emotional way again. And so he was able to give us information about that person and to talk to him and introduce us and really like break the ice between that strain, like between us who, who are stranger to each other, you know? And I think um, the approach definitely determines this, the emotion you can, you, like the amount of emotion you can re um, deliver in a photo as well. And it's not like, oh yeah, just walk up in the place and see how it goes, but it's actually having a more intention into the story behind it and try to make an make a make an um, make an effort to experience that that place in its real state. I guess I don't know if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, and and then and then you know I was able to tell the story of that person with a photo that um, the you know and even the shooting process was like a lot more comfortable comfortable because again we had that person that was connecting us to the workers and um, also at the end of it all I just had more info I had more info about the place I had more info about the person's background I was shooting and um, because we had that local up um, up there I was that that veto that guy um, I was able to interview him later on you know and ask him like more questions and um, yeah again get a real impression that's awesome yeah, that's that's really cool. Like really authentic. Um, I mean, you know, not a lot of people can do that. I mean, I'm, I I was actually um, I was born in Java, so I know the. Um, oh, true. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's not. Um, you know, it's it's a big social difference there from you know people that are really really um comfortable and rich to people that really you know can't totally make or put a food in front of their house, even though it's only. I mean, for us, probably like a dollar, yeah, probably less than a dollar a day to, to a cost to, to put in front of their family. So it's crazy. But <clears throat> it's, um, it's quite interesting that you take that approach because a lot of people are, and including myself, because I've always born there and people um, and my parents are like, be careful, be careful. Like, you know, like, because uh, <laughs> there's so many people trying to take advantage of you obviously on a on a hard economy you always yeah. see that but um it's um yeah aren't we're, what what were the thought of you kind of doing that weren't you like worried that you get ripped off or you get you know taken advantage of 
Um, yeah, totally. And I, to, to be honest with you, like I got ripped off a lot, ripped off a lot. <laughs> because in the beginning, when I was in New Zealand, you know, I was a, uh, I was 18 years old. I just turned 19 or something, and uh, you know, I didn't know anything about life. And obviously, people take advantage of that and take advantage of you. But you know, the more that happens, the more you learn of it, and then the more you develop a resistance and a feeling where you're like, okay, something's wrong here. And I think until I got to just this situation in Java. I, I've been learning and like reevaluating a lot in that case, but yeah, obviously it's a different culture. It's a it's not a Western um, Western country, so yeah, ob obviously there was the risk. But I think um, I was absolutely willing to take that risk and um, to to be able to tell to tell the actual story. That's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it's definitely take a lot of courage, especially with um, you know when you have that much gear that costs so much, right? It's <laughs> It's always yeah. It, it, it's true. It's true. I was actually mi minimalizing my 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 demono gear. I brought up this trip because I was a little sketched. <laughs> but um, you know, I that's something I felt um during my entire travels through. Like I've been to a lot of countries, you know, and I think especially from where from where I'm from back in Germany and Europe and also in Canada, you get told, hey, the world is dangerous. You know, um, everyone in Germany does obviously really general generalized and stereotypical stereotypical now but um everyone who don't know can be dangerous so be very cautious you know and um ideally not have any contact with them that's how at least how i felt and then you go into the world you know and as long as you have your you know obviously a com you have to go into the world with a common sense you know there are places in south africa where you shouldn't be after 10 p.m in the evening um, but generally speaking, if you have a bit of a common sense, I think, and if you have a, if you have a smile on your face and you have, if you're a genuine, genuine peop, person and you approach people in that way, then you will be surprised how safe and how genuine and how friendly the world is and how a lot of stereotypical things you thought about this world are actually wrong and how nice people are. I cannot tell you a single situation through my in my Asia trip where people wanted to harm me. You know, like obviously if you are in the streets in Nepal and the main streets and the touristy areas and you're running around with a 5D4 up over your head, of course people will be, you know, people see that and they're like, okay, let's let's rip this guy out. But if you're if you're a normal person, if you don't do things like that, and if you talk to the person, you're, you're you know, and you'll be surprised you'll be surprised how open they are to share their own story how i got invited to people's houses you know i'm a white person you know over there it's different and they sometimes didn't even see a white person yet but they just invited me to their house i got invited once to a wedding party on the spot you know and i was the first the one the one that with my kiwi friend we were just totally confused with like what's happening and i never saw a white person and we were the first people that they saw you know in a very very remote village in java and then they had this one day of the year where they had um, two weddings, and I think they celebrated most birthdays of everyone who lived in the village because they were otherwise they were so pretty. I could just do it once a day, once a year for everyone, you know. And then they set us down there in this marquee, in this tent, and we were supposed to be the first ones eating before even the bride or the groom or anyone, you know. 
So basically, you just have to imagine 250 people sitting on their chairs, looking at two white people, me and my friend, <laughs> Caleb. <laughs> and we we're supposed to like eat something there and everyone was watching us. And we we're like, oh my goodness, this is not good. I, we were not feeling confident here, <laughs> you know? And for them, you know, it's a big deal. Like they had meat there, they were slaughtering like animals and, you know, making sure this was an amazing meal. And then we were the first ones out there be being able to eat. And it was man that was a life-changing experience like and then i saw myself how non-generous and like e egocentrical i am and like i was happy like i was about to hit myself in the face for that you know because I, I was like man how can these people not have anything but give you everything they have and start still be happy you know yeah it's, there were crazy things happening it, it's definitely but, uh, coming back to um i'm just saying like the world is less dangerous than you think yeah <laughs> No, like, um, definitely. definitely. Um, I think coming back to what you're saying there, um, there is probably a small percentage of bad things or bad people. But unfortunately, those small percentage is, you know, people attracted to negative stuff and negative stories. So that's why it looks a lot bigger. But yeah, once uh, when you meet Indonesian people, they're actually very genuine and they're very welcoming and they will totally they will put their guests in front of themselves. So that's 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 why you get that experience. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that you get you get a chance to do, to um to to experience that it's a it's a genuine experience that's um hard to get um especially as a, as a foreigner so that's that's good that you get to uh, to um experience that so um coming off to one hour mark here um i want to ask you a couple more questions um and then we can wrap this up so um one question that i want to ask you is um i guess I want to I want to hear um, one of your most memorable moments in your travel on your photography journey that you that makes you feel like you're on the right track or that makes you feel like this is what you meant to be doing. I think I took it away already by stating that uh, story of the self reminding work is a job. Okay. I think that was a really, really life changing thing. But on the other hand, um, you know, I try to avoid your question a little bit now, but um, I'm saying, I think the the confirmation that what I'm doing is right and that I'm, you know, because I'm doing something that's not common from where I'm from and it's kind of a little, well, wandering without purpose, people would say from where I'm from, is um, the, the response it, it's, it's, it is the response that I get from other people that is re-encouraging. You know, when I share things like um, the, the story in Java or with the self-reminding worker and, and people see like, and you know, I share that with people. Like I, I flew to Canada and on the flight, I shared that with, with like a, a teenager, like an 18 year old teen, teenager, you know? And he was like, oh, what should I do with my life, blah, blah, blah. And he was, I saw myself in his situation and I told him this story and I showed him my photos. And then he said, you know what? I think you really want, I think you're really walking in your, what, what did he say? I think you're really walking in your calling. And I was like, whoa, you know, that, that was like in your face. I was really like, whoa, okay. And like, sometimes, you know, when I share people like stories like that, people begin to be reflective about their own life and they're like, whoa, okay, maybe I should change something in my life when I 
after I, I saw this now and just really getting this response that it changes people because as you and I'm so glad you you, you mentioned that I, I tried really put emotion into my into my sh um, shots you know when you do that and it affects people I think you're making an impact and I think that is one of the most rewarding things I just to uh, talk to like a good old um dp in in, uh, in la david devin whetstone you know and he worked with like patagonia and every and, and lots of brands like that and he says you know he finds fulfillment and, and confirmation in what he's doing because he has an impact he changes people's worldviews he improves you know he, he he just leaves the world as a better place and i think that is um getting this feedback is the most encouraging thing you can get but um, on the other hand, I, I believe that you shouldn't rely on feedback and comparison and things like that. And that can be really, really poisonous if you use it, use it in the wrong context. But then on the other hand, I see myself, how I'm reacting and how I feel joy in this, you know, and how I can connect it with my heart is beating for, you know, the outdoors with storytelling and then combined um, with the response that I just mentioned from other people. I think that is really confirming for me that I'm doing the right thing, that I'm doing something that I'm made for, you know? Uh, sounds really deep. I hope that makes sense, but that's just what I feel about it. <laughs> I, yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Um, I think you know that that what 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 he said in um you know that person that you met in the plane is probably one of the best compliment you can you can get, isn't it? Um, being knowing where you need to be um is probably the hardest thing I think in in life. Um, because like getting to one place is is not necessarily the hardest thing but knowing where you want to go is i think it's a lot a lot harder like knowing which path you need to be at so, um yeah, yeah thanks, totally. thanks for sharing that that's uh that's that's good to hear um and i think you answered that that question really well um you know that's that was one of my intention is to to share a little bit more of that so that's great um yeah so a question that i always ask my um um guests who come into the podcast um if you were to think back um, through all of your um, photography experience and storytelling experience through photography, what is the one thing um, that you would give as an advice that you know um, that you would tell other people who um, want to start or want to get into photography world? Um, the one advice that you th you feel like it's the most important for them to um, to get whether or not they're beginner, intermediate, or even advanced? Very good question. Once again, you're doing a great job. <laughs> um, I think I think what I would give as an advice is I give two advices. Can I give two? Yeah, sure. You get one Thank bonus. You. <laughs> I want to get one free. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. So first of all, my advice is ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing and why you're loving what you're loving. Because there will be times when you compare yourself and you think your work is not good enough, you're not good enough and things like that. And then it's good to remember why you're doing things and in the first place and that you are having a talent and as soon as it gives you joy, it, it you know they, there's enough reason for you to do it. So ask yourself why you're doing things, and um, what helped me in my career or like in my pathway, I guess, um, 
to grow a lot was to reach out to people that are where I wanted to be, you know, and I'm doing this right now. And I'm doing this currently, you know, reaching out to, I want to be a DP working in Canada eventually. And what am I doing to get there right now? I'm trying to connect with DPs in the area I want to be at, you know, and um, I'm trying to ask them a lot of questions just to keep on reaching out and don't care where you are right now. Like if you're just shooting for shooting your pet in your garden, or if you're doing a big campaign already for a big company, it doesn't matter, you know, reach out and be, be proud of what you're doing, no matter where you are in, in your path, in your photography path, and reach out to people where that are where you want to be. And you will be surprised how open they are to tell you how they got there and they, how, how they, they, how even they're able to, or like they're, they're, they're keen to even help you to get where you want to be. I think that's the two things I would mention. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really powerful stuff right there. Um, I think understanding the, the why is really important, not only in photography, but in, in life. So really good advice there, um, Felix. Um, thanks a lot for sharing that. And yeah, look, um, been an amazing uh, conversation. Had a lot of fun there. A lot of fun listening to your story. Um, really awesome episode. And for those people who want to see more of your work and who want to follow your journey and your story, um, what are some ways they can find you? Totally. Um, I got a website where I have um, the one, the 0.5% of my life that I think is worth sharing creatively. <laughs> if you want to have uh, see my shell, look over there. Um, if you want to see more inside, um, I'm pretty, I'm pretty um, active on Instagram. And I think, um, yeah, that would be, a way of being in contact with me on a more of a daily basis yeah awesome all right cool well um thanks a lot for being here and um yeah look um wiki hunters hopefully you enjoy that there's a lot of inspiration and also um um like eye-opening story from um what we've heard from felix so um I'm glad that you listening to this episode because um, you know, as a traveler, it's um, it's it's not always the easiest. It's not always smooth sailing, and it's very true what he said. Um, when you look at um, some of the stuff that we produce, that we create, it can it can bring um, a perception that we have it all, that life is easy, that we enjoy everything. But um, I must say that every everything that we come through comes with the struggle. Every achievement that we get, you know, we we just like you, we just like everyone else. Um, we're just human, and um, yeah. And um, when when we come to these uh, places, it's because we have that struggle to get there. So, um, doesn't matter where you are, like Felix says. Um, you know, don't 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 get discouraged to where you are, but um, just look up. Um, look up and see where you can go and look back where and how far look back and see how far you've gone so um yeah thank you very much for tuning in and if you haven't subscribed yet um be sure to subscribe but leave a comment and hit a like so that we know that um this is the type of um things that we'd like uh, that you'd like to hear um but thank you very much for sparing your time felix um i know you're busy on your adventures uh, you're out there making me jealous <laughs> hey stan i appreciate you having me thanks so much yeah all right fantastic man all right well thank you very much wiki hunters and until she uh, i'll see you on un until next episode <laughs> <And> <laughs> bye <laughs>